Hey everyone, welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. And happy Easter. Uh, today we want to explore why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most important moment in history. everyone, my name is Lucas, I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church in beautiful Powell River, British Columbia. And like I said, this is Easter Sunday, 2023, while you're watching this. And uh, we're just so excited that you're here with us this Easter. Happy Easter to you and your family. And like I said at the top, Easter has the most significant truth attached to it. And we're going to explore that together. Uh, who's ever heard of the Pascal greeting? This is a greeting that is, it's ancient, it's old. I did some research trying to find the origins of it and I, it was so old that no one really fully knows where it comes from as far as I could tell in my limited research this week. But it's this greeting right here. He is risen. And if you've been in church circles, if you've been part of church for any amount of time, you would know the response to this is, he is risen indeed. If you're new to this, let's try it together. He is risen and you respond. He is risen indeed. And this is really the linchpin. This is the moment. This is what Easter Sunday is all about. The resurrection of Jesus the Christ. And this is what we get to gather around today. But did you know that this saying, this, this saying, He is risen, He is risen indeed, actually comes from two different places in Scripture. Uh, it comes from the angel in Matthew, Matthew 28, declares He is risen. And then Luke's account, Luke has an account where disciples were walking to uh, the road to Emmaus and Jesus, the resurrected Jesus encounters them on the road and is talking with them. And he says, uh, and they come back to the disciples and they give word that, hey, we saw Jesus. We saw the resurrected Christ. We saw him in person. We saw him in the flesh. And they say, and he's quoted in Luke as saying, he is risen indeed. And so we have this beautiful greeting. And this greeting really is about a declaration of a truth that means everything. Not just for Christians. It means everything for humanity. As we look at the life of Jesus, we see some really unique bookmarks uh, or bookends to his life. Um, that it seems like God in his sovereignty saw fit to send special messengers at different moments in the history of humanity to bring a revelation to the world. Uh, we see this in Jesus' life in a, a few different ways. At Jesus' birth, we see angels make the announcement of his birth to shepherds who are tending their sheep at night. And so just to have an understanding, shepherds in, the, in, in that time, they were uh, marginalized. They were kind of on the fringes of society because of the activity of their work and what it entailed. They were often ceremoniously, ceremoniously unclean and unfit to uh, do what needed to be done in terms of worship and going to the temple and the synagogue. There was a lot of kind of ritual washings and things that they would have to accomplish before they would be clean, ceremoniously clean to enter into worship together in community. And so often they were on the fringes of society, the marginalized of that day. 
And here angels come to these men, tending their sheep by night, and make the declaration, Christ is born to you this day. But also, um, we now go to this kind of really crucial moment. This is, this is now Easter Sunday. This is the news. This is the linchpin. This is the foundation on which everything else rests. And it's another angel who comes to make this declaration. It's an angel that brings the news to, to these women, Mary Magdalene. And we're going to read this. We're going to get into this. Mary Magdalene. And then also Mary, the other Mary. Uh, <laughs> Matthews writes, the other Mary. And we see this moment where the angel comes to these women and makes this declaration. He is risen. And this is so significant. Uh, many of you have heard this. You know this. Uh, women of the first century were not uh, equal in any way in terms of that culture and that society. In fact, women weren't allowed to own property. Women were not allowed to be witnesses in a court of law. And so here we have this beautiful moment where it seems like God elevates. God entrusts. They, these women become the very first to carry the good news of the gospel, which is, He is risen. He is risen indeed. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. The gospel is for everyone. And it empowers its witnesses. The gospel is for everyone and it empowers its witnesses. Let's take a moment to pray and invite the Holy Spirit into our uh, just taking and looking at these passages. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the one who leads and guides us in truth. You give us revelation of what is true in this world. As we look to this account, Lord God, would you inspire us? Would you give us fresh, deepening revelation? For some, Lord, would you remind them of the salvation and the redemption that they walk in because of this moment? For others, Lord, would you reveal the Son, Jesus, the resurrected Christ in this moment, as we take this journey together, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, if you need a Bible, we would love to get one to you. Uh, visit myevangel.church forward slash Bible. There's some links there to get some great apps on your phone so you can follow along with us right now. But there's also a form that you can fill out. And if you live in the Powell River region, just give us a mailing address. We'd love to get a Bible to you uh, that's a hard copy, our free gift to you. We're just so excited that you are inspired to explore faith through the scriptures. All right, Matthew 28. Here we go, right from the very beginning. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. 
So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. As we said at the top, the gospel in so many ways has leveled the social landscape. I'm sure you've, you've heard it before. And as I said, if the resurrection, if the resurrection was a hoax, if the resurrection was an elaborate conspiracy, it was poorly planned and very poorly executed. As I alluded to in the intro, women in the first century, they were unable to give testimony in court in the first century. Like if you were going to choose witnesses to create an elaborate hoax or myth or legend, you would not have chosen at that time, you would not have chosen women to be your primary witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. Yet here we see women as the very first who are entrusted with the good news of the gospel. Jesus was the one who really began to elevate both women and others in society. Jesus changed the social landscape with his teachings and with his resurrection. Later, Paul will write by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. I love this. I love how God leveled the playing field. Much of the society we live in today is a result of the teachings and the practices of Jesus, the apostles, and the scriptures. The gospel is for everyone. And it empowers its witnesses. As we read in this passage, there are a few sentiments that really carry a lot of weight here. I don't know if you noticed this, but in Matthew 28, 10, it says this, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my, if you have your Bible with you, underline this word, this next word, go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Let, let, let me ask you a question. What happened? The last time Jesus saw his disciples, what happened? Do you remember? Can you go back to Gethsemane? Go back to the mob comes and arrests Jesus? What happens? Well, many of the disciples disperse. They run away. One of them kisses Jesus on the cheek and betrays him. Another denies even knowing him three times. And we have this moment of betrayal, of denial, of abandonment. And yet here we see Jesus say to the women, when you go, when you see the disciples, when you see them, refer to them as my brothers. I love the language he uses here. Go and tell my brothers. Matthew Henry writes, The disciples had just before shamefully deserted him in his sufferings. But to show that he could forgive and to teach us to do so, he calls them brethren. 
notwithstanding his majesty and purity and our meanness and our unworthiness, he still condescends to call believers his brethren. You know, there have been a lot of moments in my life and seasons in my life where I have bought into the lie of my shame and my guilt. And here's what I mean by this. Moments where my relationship with Jesus has been somewhat contingent on how I'm doing in my walk of faith. I don't know if anybody else struggles with this. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. And that's great. I'm so glad you don't. But for those of you that do, there are moments when, when I feel like I'm doing well. Moments where I feel like I'm walking in God's calling, I'm walking in freedom, I'm walking with attitudes of the heart that are right and righteous, not perfect, but right, trending towards right and righteous and love, right? And, and those are moments where it's so much easier to walk into the presence of God, you know, in our own mind's eye, where we don't have things hanging over us. Then we can walk in with prayer and meditation and being in the word. And it's just like this kind of easy kind of relationship to be in. This dynamic that's easy. But here's where the lie comes in. If my life is going sideways due to my attitudes or my pride, my sin, my ego, whatever it may be, the motivations of my heart, I have been tempted I have been tempted to put up barriers to relationship because of, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like um, I, I should come into the presence of God. I don't feel, and now you're going to hear a lot of that word, feel, 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 right? Guilt, condemnation, all of these things. And that's why scripture so often has to remind us that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is no power to shame in Christ Jesus. And so there's this hurdle that we have to get over because we need to be reminded. And I hope that this, this, this idea, this truth changes your perspective. Jesus hasn't seen his disciples yet. They all abandoned him. They all, be they betrayed him. They denied him. And yet before he even sees them again, he has such a heart towards them and he calls them brothers. I love this. The power of the resurrection is it affirms that all that Jesus did and taught and showed the world, all of it is now empowered. It's, it is confirmed. It is his deity. The resurrection, if the resurrection is true, Jesus is God. His righteousness, his salvation, his broken body, his shed blood, is our foundation because he overcame death in the grave and rose again. And it's not about our ability to follow him. It's about what he did for us and our simple in faith ability to accept that grace and that mercy and that love. I love this. This is the good news of the gospel. And in this moment, Jesus calls his betrayers, his deniers, those that abandon him. He calls them brothers. And that brings us such hope. We get to become witnesses of this reality. But it does mean that we have to 
step beyond our shame and our guilt and the enemy speaking words of condemnation over us and step into the presence of Jesus because he will meet you with forgiveness and love no matter what. The gospel is for everyone and it empowers its witnesses, even those who make a mess of their lives from time to time. Be in the presence of God. When things are good, when things are bad, the mountaintop and in the valley, take that step. Take that step of faith into his presence and prayer, meditation, into his word, and he will meet you there and call you brother and call you sister. I love what Easter means for us. Verse two, Matthew 28 says, and behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Let, let, let me ask you, uh, did Jesus require the moving of the stone to get out of the tomb? I want you to just think this through. Did Jesus require that stone to be rolled away in order to leave that tomb? Now, the answer is no. No, he did not require it. In fact, we're going to see later that Jesus appears to his disciples in a locked room. The disciples are fearing for their lives. They're a little bit uh, paranoid about what's going around them. And they are locked themselves away and they're gathered together and Jesus simply appears to them. It doesn't seem like physical structure anymore um, limits Jesus' ability to move about this world. And so we know that Jesus didn't require the stone to be rolled away. So let me ask you a follow-up question then. Why did the angel come and roll the stone away? If Jesus didn't need it for his exit, why did the angel descend from heaven with a great earthquake, white as lightning, roll the stone away. I think it's to create an opportunity for the first witnesses of the resurrection. It was about creating an opportunity to witness the empty tomb. If the resurrection is the linchpin to the claims of Jesus as the Messiah. So in other words, Jesus as God, the one who has created all things. Then we have been given and God created an opportunity for the people in that moment to witness that resurrection, to give evidence to that resurrection. You know, throughout the gospels, we see witnesses like Mary, Magdalene, the other Mary, Salome, along with Peter and John, they all were witnesses of both angelic proclamation that Jesus is risen and also had visited the tomb itself, saw it with their own eyes and brought testimony and witness of what transpired. And to this day, the foundational mandate of the believer is to be witnesses of the resurrected Christ to give glory to God for the transformation we have experienced in our lives because of him, because 
He is not just a dead person from long ago, a dead idea, a dead moralist, a dead good teacher, a dead prophet. No, because he is the living God. And we have had an experience in this moment, in this world, with the resurrected Christ. We become witnesses of the power of the resurrection and the power of that life in us today. But there were also other witnesses that day. If we continue, we see there were some other witnesses that witnessed the stone being rolled away. Who were they? They were the Roman soldiers. There was, there was a troop of Roman soldiers guarding the tomb for this very purpose. They were afraid the disciples were going to come. They were going to steal the body of Jesus. And then they were going to declare his resurrection because Jesus foretold his resurrection. And so they put guards, armed guards, at the entrance to the tomb. And just like Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they witnessed the exact same event. However, their story is much more tragic. In verse 4, it says, And for fear of him, this angel, for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. You know, we see all through scripture that the appearance of angels uh, was a frightening encounter. In, in fact, just about every time we see an angel appear to a human being, their first thing out of their mouth is, do not be afraid. Don't fear. Don't fear. Don't be scared. It must have been a, a, an unbelievable sight to witness this angel descending from heaven with an earthquake and rolling this stone away. And it says that the guards, they trembled and became like dead men. They fell to the ground as though they were dead in the presence of this angel. What a visceral and unbelievable response to this moment. But this whole business, this whole moment kind of put them in a predicament. The cost for failing at one's mandate as a Roman soldier was, was a high one. At, at the very least, these guys were looking at prison. These guys were looking at, uh, uh, yeah, these guys were looking at prison. At the worst, they were looking at capital punishment. They were looking at death for failing their mandate and what they were commanded to do. Matthew 28, 11 to 15 says this. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests, all that had taken place. Again, they were eyewitnesses of this moment. They were eyewitnesses of an angel, white as lightning, an earthquake, rolling the stone. They fell to the ground, probably covered their eyes and just, just hid out. But they, this is the report that they brought to the chief priests. In verse 12, And when they had assembled with the elders and, and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. And if this comes to the governor's ear, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So we're going to stand up for you. We're going to make sure you're okay and they don't, they don't imprison you or kill you because you failed your mandate. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now, first thing to note here. The soldiers gave the chief priests the account, an irrefutable witness of the legitimacy of Jesus' claim. I want you to think about that. 
the chief priests now have Roman soldiers coming to him and going, here's what happened. And they told him what happened. This is like unbelievable proof that Jesus is who he said he was. But these men, these chief priests, these religious rulers wanted to be right, even if it meant holding on to a lie. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. It reshapes the power structures of the world. It reshapes the power structures of our own heart and soul. And they wanted this news to stay quiet. So they give bribes so that these soldiers will change the story. Matthew really seems intent on dispelling this myth um, that these, these testimonies of these soldiers are brought into the greater Jewish culture of that day. But even in the high priest's attempt at, at sub, subterfuge, they didn't craft their story very well. Uh, here's what I mean by that. Matthew Henry actually unpacks this very well in his writings. He said, As had the soldiers been all asleep, they could not have known what passed. If any had been awake, they would have roused the others and prevented the removal. So this is, this is going with the story of the disciples coming at night and removing the body. And this, so they would have roused at night and, and, and prevented the removal. And certainly, if they had been asleep, they never would have dared to confess it. Well, the Jewish rulers would have been the first to call for their punishment. Again, had there been any truth in the report, the rulers would have prosecuted the apostles with severity for it. The whole shows that the story was completely and entirely false. Such an interesting moment. They, they, they did not craft their story very well. And this account tells us that there are two responses to the resurrection of Jesus. There's two responses. To accept the account and all that it confirms about Jesus as the Messiah, as God, as the creator of all things. And the second response is to create any alternative narrative we can to escape that truth. Those are the two responses to the resurrection of Jesus. Because the implications of the resurrection of Jesus Christ means we have to let go of our pride, our ego, our sin, and we have to submit ourselves to one who is greater. Like I said, the resurrection of Jesus reshaped and just tossed on end the power structures of humanity. Because the implications of the resurrection mean that we have to let go and we have to submit ourselves to God. However, these soldiers, remember, they witnessed the same thing. They, they witnessed the exact same thing that the women did. But they were between this rock and a hard place and they were manipulated by the chief priests as a result. Because these chief priests did not want those power structures to change. We get to choose to build one or two kingdoms in this world. Our kingdom or the kingdom of the coming king. And the resurrection teaches us that. It shows us that. It reveals that. The gospel is for everyone. And it empowers. It empowers its witnesses. 
So how do we witness the resurrection today? That's the question. This, this fine and dandy, it happened 2,000 plus years ago in the first century. So the question then is, how do we today witness the resurrection of Jesus? How do we witness the resurrected Jesus? Because, I mean, this, this is an event that happened 2,000 years ago. We've been celebrating Easter Sundays for over 2,000 years. So what does that look like to be witnesses of the good news of the gospel that Jesus has risen indeed? How do we do that? Well, if Christ is indeed alive today, then we can ask him to reveal himself to us. If this isn't just a story and a moment in history, but is a reality for today, we can ask him to reveal himself to us. And by his spirit, he'll do that. As we walk in faith, as we seek truth, as we knock, he will answer and he'll reveal himself. And that moment changes everything. And there's a moment where the Holy Spirit of God affirms and confirms the resurrected Jesus, which means that we have to affirm our own sin and brokenness and our need for resurrected life for ourselves. Like, right? It flips the power structure. And we have to realize we're not the king or the queen of our own life, but there is a king of kings and there is a Lord of lords. And so this is repentance. We all have opportunity for this moment. Even the, the chief priests of the first century had opportunity for repentance. They had opportunity to acknowledge that the power structure had changed. They had opportunity to find salvation. And we ask the question all the time, what are you going to do with the resurrection? What are you going to do with the resurrection of Jesus? And when we come face to face with this truth, let's remember the words of the angel to Mary Magdalene and to Mary, the other Mary. What did he say? Do not be afraid. Hey, do not be afraid. I've got good news for you. It's not, it's not news that's going to just destroy your life. It's not news that is going to ruin everything. It's not news that's going to strip you of fun and, and the ability to find fulfillment in this world. No, do not be afraid. I have good news. Good news. He is not here. He is risen. And in this moment, we can accept the resurrected Jesus. We can be given eyes of faith by the Spirit to catch glimpse of him, to become witnesses of the same Jesus who rose from the grave all those years ago. And unlike those of the first century that saw the tomb and saw the evidence with their eyes, we get to see and experience him through the eyes of faith. And it's then that we become witnesses of the gospel. So Lord, this Easter Sunday, as we consider the resurrection of Jesus, as we consider some of the evidence, as we consider uh, the eyewitness accounts and testimonies of those of the first century, as we consider Matthew's writing and Luke's writing and the gospel writers, Lord, we thank you that there is so much there that can give us pause to consider who is Jesus. Did he rise from the dead? And Lord, we thank you that you are not 
just a historical figure of the past, but Lord, you are eternal. Jesus, you are risen. You are seated right now at the right hand of the Father, seeking to complete in fullness the restoration of this world to you. Lord, we thank you we have opportunity to consider the flip of the power structures. Lord, give us faith to see you and give us grace to relinquish control, to acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a savior. Would you come into our heart and life? Would you change us from the inside out? We wanna be witnesses of the resurrected Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, happy Easter. And don't let another Easter pass without really considering the resurrected Jesus and the implications of what that means for you. God bless everyone.